Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and welcome to episode 157 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And as you can possibly hear in the background, we're at Whitecaps training after what was a fantastic nine point week. Well, eight days, but let's just say the Beatles were right, there's eight days a week, and it was a, a nine point week. Fantastic for the Whitecaps, first time they've done that. And some turnaround in the fortune, Steve, to, to what we've seen recently. Yeah, obviously we weren't expecting anything like this uh, when we were we spoke after the Portland game. Uh, we thought maybe we thought the three points in Chicago were assured, and then we expected a loss in Toronto because of their form and the way they were going. So uh, it pleasantly surprised. And to think of it, it was the it was the Chicago game that seemed like the more difficult one, and at the time it didn't seem like it was going to happen. But Toronto was just about hanging on. Yeah, I mean, the Chicago game, quickly look at that first. I mean, that was well, it's a nerve-wracking week altogether between the Chicago game, the Toronto game, the Whitecaps 2 game on Sunday. It, it was like a memo had been given round all the, the coaching staff just to... Make things to exciting. Make, make things exciting, just keep the fans on the edge of their seat, get good value for money, and they certainly did that. In the Chicago game, that was a game that, on paper, you expected them to be out of sight. Even the way that the game was going, you kind of expected it to, to be an easy victory. But, but I want to give credit to Chicago, first of all. I mean, they played really well. And it's, it's like they, they seem to be turning things around. They're just not getting the results just yeah. now. A lot of draws. But they seem to be turning things around. It, it was a great win. The kudo injury, I guess we should talk about that first. I mean, that, that was horrific. When, when we were watching it live, it, initially, it looked really bad just by the reaction of everyone. Well, it was bad. It was the, 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 because you saw the Chicago players turn over, turn him over to his side. Um, people were like waving like crazy. I was surprised it actually took so long for other people to show up. Like we were, we were talking about, why isn't the anybody from the ambulance crew? They're always on, standing on the end line by the supporter section. Why were they coming on the field faster? Um, so it was, it was very surprising and, and shocking. And it, I was very amazed that the the Whitecaps were able to turn around so quickly and get a goal. Um, so soon after that because usually when you see a teammate go down like that you don't like bounce back really quick yeah I mean I'd ask Carl that after the game it's like normally when something like that happens it can play in their mind and and it takes them a little bit to to kind of snap out of it but they they did they did come back really quickly and it seemed to be in the second half that that they had their struggles Kudo tweeted out earlier this week just a thank you to the the Chicago players for saving his life Uh, and when you see that it kind of 
kind of puts things in perspective a little bit as to just how dangerous a situation it was. Yeah, and I, I spoke to Kostic after the game and asked him, and he said that he he never seen anything like that, but he read about it, which is amazing that he wrote about it. Yeah. We read about something like that, and he, that's how we was able to open um, uh, Kudo's mouth and make sure he didn't like everybody says swallow tongue. It, now you don't actually swallow your tongue, but it blocks your passageway, air, uh, so you don't get air. So it basically, he he basically he, in a way saved his life. Yeah, as you say, you, you spoke to him after the game. Let, actually, let's let's just play a little bit of that audio just now because I, I think it it just puts everything into perspective as to just how scary that moment was during the game and just how they reacted to it and like what they had to do. Early in the game, obviously, you, uh, there, there was that incident with Kudo, the collision with Lampson. Um, you you were one of the first people on there. Um, did you did you turn him over? Was it? Uh, <clears throat> no, I think uh, Jao turned him over. Uh, that was a smart move and he, uh, because. He had blood in his, his mouth. Then when I got there, <coughs> sorry, my voice. When I when I got there, um, I tried to put my finger in his mouth to take the, the the tongue out so it doesn't swallow. His mouth was was stuck. Uh, I I open it, I force it to 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 open it, and I, I tried to keep his his, his tongue. Uh, and then you know, everybody came. So. Have you, have you have an experience like that before in a game, or no, was this a, no, what did you just heard about? <coughs> I didn't. I just saw some 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 similar cases and read about this. Okay. Um, uh, I, although it's you know it's not a teammate, but it's still like some uh, like a fellow player. How difficult is it to see something like that and get over it quickly enough to get back in the game? Yeah. Well. Yeah. It affects you, but uh, uh, I know uh, you're still thinking about, it, and I'm still thinking about the poor guy. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad he's, he's, he's okay. Uh, even in the field, yeah, you, you think about it. But, yeah, during the game, your, your focus, I mean, after the game starts, your, your focus to, to the ball and to the opponent, and it kind of, you know, we forgot about it. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's, he's, he's okay. And I hope he's, he's going to do fine. So yeah, a worrying time, but as we say, the, the cats bounced back. Blas Perez came on. Yeah. He, he obviously wasn't expecting to be on that early, but he made a big difference right off the bat and at the end of the game. And I wanted him to, to play from the start, and I think we kind of saw what he brings to this team. Two goals, his first two goals as a white cap, increasing his stats as the, the highest scoring AFTN writer in Major League Soccer history. Sure. First goal was important, I mean, it wasn't a classic, uh, but it was a, the kind of goal that strikers need to score, and it's the kind of goal that our strikers haven't been scoring. But then that second goal, wow. I yeah. mean, you, you, you knew from his reaction he had no idea what had happened no. and then the look of disbelief on his face oh it was fantastic I think he just wanted to make contact and get it somewhere near the net so maybe it would bounce off another teammate or something like that uh, yeah you're right totally amazed he ran running around people were trying to I thought he was going to get crushed against the end boards and then he got dogpiled on to after that uh, but amazing game and they they, they in a way, they, the, 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 you're talking about giving Chicago credit. Chicago played the perfect road game. They, they sat back, absorbed pressure, and then it, a counterattack. And that's how they were getting their chances. So it was Vancouver's job just to break them down. And they weren't, there were times where they weren't able to. But in the first half, they, they were controlling the game pretty much. And they, they dominated possession in that one. And it... A scrappy win. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't what we were expecting. It wasn't what you thought was going to be a confidence-boosting win. But actually, it's those kind of wins, grinding out those kind of results, that kind of makes a team and it's like really helps their confidence. And a market champions is teams that can get those kind of results when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and obviously, the, uh, you, like you're saying, confidence there. Um, it obviously showed in, in when they went to TFC. 
because uh, on Saturday, they, right off the bat, within like the first 12 minutes, Kukuda Manley, beautiful steal off uh, the defender Perqua, I think it was, and just finished it. And you could see that he was looking to get back into the starting lineup and he wanted to make an impact in that game. Yeah, and the whole game, it was phenomenal. I mean, it's one of the, the best games of Major League Soccer the Whitecaps have been involved in. There's been a few over the years, Kansas City 3-3, Portland 4-3, another another 4-3 road win for the Whitecaps there. But I mean, it, it was it was hellish to watch. Um, I don't know whether it was worse to watch it live or worse to watch it the way that I watched it, which was I watched the first 30 minutes on my phone at the Provincial A Cup Finals in Victoria. Thought I'd get back into my car and listen to the second half on the radio, but for some reason Team 1040 Radio doesn't get picked up in Victoria. Don't know what's going on there. So I avoided the result, waited till I got home, got the last ferry home, got settled, watched it on the condensed highlights on MLS Live, 20 minute package, and it was it was hell to watch because I, I knew it was 2-0, and then of course I went to 2-1, and then the game just seemed to tick by so slowly for those 20 minutes. It was like, it was going from 30 minutes to 32, and then when it got to 2 all, it kept going like 60, 65, 70, 71, 72 and every time they cut to something of the action Toronto were on the ball yeah. and because you know it's condensed highlights so something's going to happen you think oh no, oh no, here we go yeah. oh no, they're going to get a third oh no, we're going to go behind oh, it was hell I mean, what, what was it like watching the game live? Yeah, it was uh, It was just as nerve-wracking especially like you had a you had a thing where it was because I think it was mostly because of Giovinco. Like you think he's going to score almost every time he touches the ball, and he and that and it was surprising after the penalty was given in the first half. You were thinking, oh my god, that you know this is it, this is the end of it. But he saved it. But then Giovinco scored. Then you go, oh no, now this is the end of it. And then and then um, Giovinco scored his second goal, and at that point. Uh, just in the few minutes before Manny retook the lead, you could tell Vancouver was trying to kill the game because Elstead was, uh, there was a save Elstead made and he flopped on the ball and he just sat there like he was on the ball, like he was like trying to take as much time off the clock before he had to kick it out. So you could see that they were, at that point, they were looking to preserve a 2-2 draw. But then Manny scored three, four minutes after Giovinco's, uh, and then um, Morales scored his the goal, beautiful goal. So at that point, you're thinking, um, you know, this is it. This is the game. They want it. And then <laughs> they come back again after Aaron goes down one man. And then that final five, six minutes of injury time. Oh, my God. Wave after wave of yeah. the white uh, TFC coming. And you're thinking, here it comes. Here. But they were able to hold on. A couple of a couple of funny moments that I, I, don't, know, I don't know how many people noticed because it was so, so crazy. And I watched this. I watched the highlights a couple times. Um, Martin Pert after the Morales goals uh, yelling at Pedro to keep your shirt on keep your shirt on a lot of people might have missed that but that was very I funny I heard that yeah, you l- l- watch the highlights again you'll see him he said keep your shirt on keep your shirt on uh, that, that's one of the shakes of the weekend uh, another one which I particularly liked from a game that I was at on Sunday was one of the Vancouver United players told his teammate stop thinking <laughs> it's like okay yeah, play on instinct <laughs> yeah. exactly um, so yeah that was it was a crazy game and the they they kind of played the same way Chicago played. They they absorbed pressure and then they attacked when they needed to. The goal against Beta Shore, where like everybody was saying, oh, Beta Shore uh, is the reason why TFC 
TFC has got this great defensive record and to see him flop around, that was amazing because this, this, Bateshore does this. He does, he does, is a very solid right back, but there are moments where he will just get turned inside out and you don't know what he's doing or his decision making. So either he does have those moments, but he, he is, he was a solid player for Vancouver. And of course, Blas Perez's goal is up naturally for, for goal of the week because it was spectacular. And yeah, it was spectacular. In many ways, though, Manny's goal yeah. was it was more beautiful. It was, it was more a, a work of art, football art. So, um, yeah, Manny's goal was great. He, he was able to, like, normally his touches aren't that great, but he was able to keep him, keep the ball cut inside. And Bateshaw probably never expected him to make that turn inside. Everybody's saying, oh, Bateshaw should know because he's trained with him. Maybe this is something Manny just put in his wheel book that he's going to try keep doing. So it's, it's interesting to see. It was a good game. Um, and I, I think uh, w- one question to you: uh, which which of these three games was the most enjoyable to watch? Like from a results standpoint, who did you enjoy beating the most, and which one was the most important? It's hard to say any of them were enjoyable to watch during the time because maybe like, you'd, like, maybe like who yeah. you defeated because of the who you defeated or uh, something like that. Just the way it was, it's like it was hard to enjoy any of those games because they, they made it so tough for themselves. I always enjoy beating Portland. I always enjoy beating Toronto. For me, though, I think the Toronto game has to take it just because how stacked the Toronto team is. And we should say as well, that was a very understrength Whitecaps team that were out there. They were playing their third game in eight days. They'd flown thousands of miles, different time zones to to get there. Very little rest. Number four choice striker. Yeah, I mean, completely depleted. And for me, it would be the Toronto game. I mean, what about you? Well, I, I, I enjoyed uh, watching them the defeat Toronto. But I think the probably the most important game out of the three was the, um, was the Portland game because of the fact that they came back and that turned it around and got them going. And, and that could be... Uh, I know everybody wants to say, oh, turn... I, I don't think there's going to be a turning point in the season because I think there's going to be a... T- a time down the road where they're going to again lose three or four in a row or well, something. there's so much parity in the league as well yeah. that it's like turning still, points don't no last very long. turning points, no. So, but I think this is just, this is more of a sigh of relief for the fans to know that this team is capable of winning games, uh, putting three or four together because it was didn't look like it for a while. So I think this is more of a sigh of relief for this week instead of a turning point. Uh, that's very true. And as we know, the, the summer, not always favourable to the Whitecaps and we learned yesterday that the Whitecaps are going to be missing three key players for Copa America action. Christian Bolanius and Kendall Waston away with Costa Rica. Blas Perez is going to be away with Panama. You don't know how long they're going to be away for. There's going to be pre-camps and stuff as well. But, I mean, they're going to be missing quite a few games. Thankfully, there is a break and it's it's like two Canadian Championship games, which they probably were never going to play in anyway. But in saying that, it is a loss to have them away and then they have to kind of get readjusted back to, to club football. So it's important that the players that have been kind of stepping up are doing well. And let's give a little shout out to Eric Hurtado. Was, yeah, very good. A big, big, uh, that play on the second goal was very important. That was, everybody's going to talk about that. But his play overall for the whole game was very solid. And I thought, I thought he kept the defenders off Mane. Uh, Manny was free to do a lot of stuff because Bertado occupied the central defenders and he's shown that in USL too this year. He's had a very good USL in the games he's played in, a, a very good season so far. Yeah, I mean, he did really well uh, against Toronto. 
he seems to have his confidence and his swagger back. And what's going to help that even more is if he can actually pop a goal away. But he has done well for USL. There was a lot of criticism last year that he didn't come down and play in USL. And we don't really know the, the full reason why. We've heard different versions of that. But I mean, he's gone down this year. He's performed really well and he's got his confidence up. And Cal Robinson has seen that and he's rewarded him. And he didn't have much choice. He, he kind of had to reward him. And he's done well. And you know that he always plays well against Portland and they're coming up now. But I really like the partnership that Hurtado and Manny formed. And we finally got to see Manny playing in basically a striker's role up front beside Eric and the partnership that the two of them showed together was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, and it, it showed a lot of speed and everything like that and I think the this could be a, an option for them down the road, especially uh, if they have to play, uh, when, when they play a lot more uh, road games and because it, 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 it provides them speed on the counter-attack where guys like Kudo and Rivero is fast but he's not as fast as those guys and uh, Perez, they can't offer that so this could be a good combination for them on the road. So let, let's talk a little bit about Manny. I don't know how many times now the phrase breakthrough game or breakout game has, has been used for Kakuta. Saturday was another one. It, it, it was mentioned a lot. There's going to be a piece on MLS about him this week. He was an player of the week. They wanted to do a feature on, is this a breakout game? Was it because he was playing in a, in a different position? What is it that unlocked him in that game com compared to everything else? And those are questions that really we don't know. It's like we, we see it in flashes for him. And I mean, you made a good point about that just before we started recording. Yeah, it's it's about uh, like we, like he's had games like against Seattle, um, other games as well where he seemed to break through. But I think it's more about consistency. Is this the game where he's able to keep carrying forward and 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 avoid injuries? Because injuries did derail him last year. Because he was going at near the end of the year, he was moving along like that. And then the Portland game happened, and obviously he's still recovering from that this year. So I think that's that's the main thing uh, for position wise. We've, we've talked about it before on other podcasts in the roundtables too that central playing a central role might be his best position that's what he played when he was younger as well obviously they want to use his pace along the uh, wide areas but he is very dangerous playing central because he can use that speed and attack central midfielders and like he did against Perqua intercepted the ball and nobody was able to catch up to him yeah, I mean, he, he played that central role with Austin Aztecs and Paul Douglas has said before, he said to us on, the, on this podcast as well, that that is the role that he sees him playing in and he said that is his best role. So it's going to be interesting to see if Cal Robinson wants to go with him in that position going forward. With Kudo out injured, Rivero has been injured. As we said, we're at training today and he's out there running about. He looks good. He, lo he looks like he's, he's ready to go again. But I, I just... I liked Manny in that role, but by playing that kind of two-striker role, it did leave them a little bit short at the back, yeah. and they, they leaked three goals, and I mean, well, they are still leaking goals, and that, that defence looks a little bit shaky, and they can't keep going out and scoring four goals to make up for it. Well, I have issues with that. The problem, I, and I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, and I mentioned it, we mentioned it when, when we were watching the game uh, at home. Laba is... It seems to be always out of position and I'm not sure like sometimes what he's doing like on the penalty kick I think it was him that passed it back into the middle that caused the turnover or something like that I, I think it was him I can't I might be wrong uh, but uh, 
I, I just find that he, like it doesn't bite him that much, but he seems to be for a guy who's supposed to be the shield in front of the central defense pair. I think I feel like he's always somewhere else following somebody. I think I'd rather have him stay right in the middle there. And then and then the problem is now is you don't have somebody that's I want as, as qualified to help him as last year. Like he's got Pedro Morales playing next to him. Obviously, it was Russell Tybert against the TFC game, but in other games, it's been Pedro Morales. And Morales is not is not a uh, holding midfielder in the in the traditional sense where he's able to play defense. He's had great defensive plays, but he's not an overall great play. So I think that might be an issue. They have to figure out where they want to play. It was nice to see Pedro Morales play on the wing. Uh, kind of that's where they started him. Although he did drift into the middle. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked before about Laba. He is slow sometimes to get back, but I mean, he's fantastic at what he does at the same time. No, that's, that's, that's the thing. He's great at what he does, but there's uh, certain points where he gets himself out of position. What, what did you make of Tybert uh, on Saturday? Because he got a lot of plaudits on, on Twitter. Um, obviously, I'm critical of him at the best of times, but he, he, he had a good game, I thought. No, I thought he got a good game, and I think the whole thing about... Um, uh, like, I think he was there to... Uh, kind of harassed Giovinco a little bit but then when Altador went down Giovinco played up top and I think uh, Tiber wasn't able to do that and it was basically yeah. the central defender's job at that point and that, that, that's what hurt them that, that the uh, Ka and Parker had to deal with Giovinco at that point and and Tiber's a guy that often gets like those big man marking jobs he's yeah, keen keen Dempsey yeah. it's like he, he seems to do well against that Defensively, obviously, Kendall Waston's going to be back this weekend against Portland. Fraser Aird, we're missing him for at least one game. We don't yeah. know if there's going to be any supplemental on top of that. So what would you do against Portland? Would you go with Jordan Smith, the natural right-back, in that position? Would you play Tim Parker to go in at right-back and, and keep Ka in the middle alongside Waston? Yeah, that's what I would do. I, 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 would, I, I would want to put my best four defenders on the pitch. I don't know. It always uh, Portland always seemed like a more. It's probably only a few feet or whatever, but it seems like a more compact field. So I think Parker would not. Uh, Parker would be a good co- combination there. You could also like in a way play at times three men at the back, and then have Jordan Harvey attack more, and maybe that give, it helps you a little bit more in the attack. And also, you know, it helps you with uh, defending set pieces, uh, which they obviously had issues with on the third goal against TFC. So I think. I think Parker would be ideal to play at the right back and maybe not send him up front too much. And I think um, it would help, uh, uh, I guess, a strong... Because uh, I, I, I don't know how much Jordan Smith is Because <laughs> he scares me every time he's on the pitch, essentially. Especially in a big derby game like that, where yeah. tensions are high and it's like you don't know what's going to happen tackles-wise. But, I mean, he has played down there before. and Maybe we need a guy that's going to rough it up a bit because, like, Portland like to rough it up. I, but I feel like he's going to get a red card. <laughs> I just have no faith in that. So I, I, I kind of have uh, very little confidence in Jordan Smith. I'm, I'm, I figure he might pick up a red card at any point, especially in a derby match when uh, they're, they're looking for uh, call fouls on rough play. Um, where, where else do you see this lineup going? Uh, obviously, this, uh, Hurtado probably won't start this game, uh, even though he played well. Uh, do you think Perez or Rivera would be able to come back if Rivera's healthy? I just have a feeling that if Rivero can go, he's going to start Rivero in this one. I think he wants to use Blas off the bench a lot more than, than really have him start in games, which makes sense because it's like he's an older guy and you, you want to have him as an impact player off the bench because he can certainly do that. 
And if you're needing a goal, he's a guy that I'd rather bring off the bench than Rivero because Perez is a guy that, that scores more often than, than Rivero does. So I think Rivero is probably going to start up front. I think we'll probably see... Well, we'll see definitely Lab as, as DM. I think we might go for a 4-2-3-1 again with Morales playing deeper beside Laba, Bolanius in the number 10 role, maybe even Manny in the number 10 role, um, with Teixeira in that mix as well. So, I mean, that, that would be what I think we're going to see against Portland. Portland's having an up-and-down season. I mean, the Whitecaps had an up-and-down start. They're on a bit of a run now. Portland's just never really got anything going. And with six points out for possible six so far in the Cascadia Cup standings, if Vancouver can get one or ideally three down on Sunday, I mean, that's just going to be fantastic for them. And I think uh, looking, we'll obviously do a quick, quick preview on the Portland because we just saw them. It seems like weird that we're just seeing them like we're playing them like two weeks after. I think it was, no, it's been, yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. It's rivalry because. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, we, and they're actually going to show up on ESPN, the Whitecaps. Yeah, it's game. actually nice that we have a rivalry game in rivalry week because yeah, that's quite rare. It doesn't happen often. Uh, but I think um, I think Adi, it looks dangerous. I, I actually watched the New York City FC uh, Portland game, uh, which uh, Portland lost, which was awesome. Uh, made it made the weekend even better. Uh, but uh, I think Adi is, is a dangerous guy. And I, I, they'll have Chara back, who they were missing, so that'll be an interesting thing. They just added Okugo. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, matchup goes. It, it's, it's a Sunday game, obviously on a long weekend, so we're expecting a lot of people from Vancouver to show up. It should be a full group that goes down there. So Long yeah. weekend, holiday weekend as well. Yeah. should be fantastic. So who do, who do you think? Uh, should we go predictions then and see who we're going to go? Go ahead. You first. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Semi-positive. I will go, I think uh, Portland is still struggling, and I'll go 2-1 Vancouver. Well, as you know, if we predict good results, bad things happen. If we predict bad results, good things happen. So, um, we're if, sorry. Yeah, we're sorry if it, things don't work out according to plan this weekend. So just before we go, though, I want to do a little bit of uh, talk about WFC2. Big win at the weekend against a, a really good LA Galaxy side. And Another took it to them, essentially. Yeah, especially three goals up in the first 20 minutes. I know, yeah. And, I mean, just they've had a phenomenal start to the season. They're top of the Western Conference standings. They're, they're banging goals, and they're letting a few goals in just now. I mean, it's been a pretty solid defence. Well, like you said, they were playing against a very good team of LA Galaxy, so you, if there's a team you're yeah, going to let goals MLS in. MLS guys yeah. like Jose Villarreal as yeah. well. So. So, so I think uh, the thing is they're... they're the way they're attacking, the, the the like they don't need to. It seems like the, like a lot of stuff. Kaden Chung is manufacturing down the right side. He's able to get the ball in, and guys like Greg and Haber are able to just pop them in from short distance, which is ideally what you want to do. You want to have easy goals, not make it hard for yourself. And the the one goal by Alfonso Davies, he almost like. He ripped it right off, off the guy. It's like, it's almost like, it's, it was amazing. It was even better than the Kakuta Mane one because uh, he just intercepted a pass. He took it off the player, and the look on the player's face when he got it taken off him was priceless, absolutely priceless. I mean, they're doing really well. There's a lot of, of good talent going forward. And Robo said that we, we might see some of them in the Canadian Championship games, Champions League games, because there has been a change in the the players' contracts this year. They are able to now use these guys in those games. There is still a little bit of a mix-up as to whether it has to be Canadian guys that play in the Canadian Championship or whether it can be, be other guys that do it. But 
I mean, there's a number of guys that's pushing for that. And one of them is Kyle Gregg, striker. He scored seven goals so far this season. And he's like he's very high up. I I don't think he's leading the league in goals, but he's very high up. Well, Jack, Jack McBean's got that yeah. sewn up so far, but yeah, so he's very high up there. So it's it's a very uh, uh, amazing thing to see. And he he was uh, uh, you know a prolific goal scorer last year, and he's even gotten better this year. Yeah, I mean he really wants to make the jump to MLS, but he he's he's not thinking too much about it. So I got a chance to speak to Robert today about Kyle Gregg and also a few of the other guys. So let's just hear Robo's thoughts on those guys now and how they're pushing four minutes with the, the Champions League and also the Canadian Championship games as well. Here's Robo. I'm talking of one of those USL guys. What have you seen from Kyle Gregg? He's getting a lot of goals this year. Do you feel he's got what it takes to make the jump or what does he need to keep doing to possibly make that? He needs to keep scoring goals and, and continue doing what he's doing. You know, Kyle's come in and he's... he's he hasn't surprised me because I knew what he could do. He's been excellent with Alan. Uh, we've got a young team in the USL, we know that, and he's been a perfect example of a leader. And he will get opportunities with us, whether it's in Champions League or in the, the Amway Canadian Championship. And, you know, the, he deserves it at the moment. He scores, a lot of his goals are similar. You, you know where he p- picks the ball up and he puts the ball in the net. It's a good habit to have. So, uh, no, there's certainly doors are open for Kyle, as well as a number of other young players there. Is that one of the options to, is to take a very close look at what you have in the USL side, or are you starting to think in terms of the next transfer window that stri- adding a striker is going to be top of your priority if you can do something? Listen, I'll always look to within. If I can, if I can progress and promote within, I'll do that because first of all, it'll save me money, um, which is the main thing. But also, you know, I want to give these young players the opportunity to play. If I don't think it's the right time for them, then obviously I'll look on the out outside the window um, so there'll be a number of players that I look at from the USL roster to maybe making that step up I've got roster spots available I've got some money available so you know one thing I don't do I think you know me by now is is panic and you must be delighted because of how well they've played that that option is definitely on the table for it's you great right it's great and we'll get to see them now in the next two three weeks when we start the, the Canadian Championship you know how good these are because it's competitive games the USL is competitive games you're playing against players who played in MLS for a number of years and you know, have have lost their spot on the rosters and and dropped down a division. But it's it's great for these young kids, 18, 19 years of age, 15 years of age, playing against experienced MLS players. So it's a great time to to be a Whitecaps fan just now, Steve. It's like happy, happy days. Yeah, and it could turn around just like that and go downhill. This is the MLS, remember? And USL. Yeah. And also USSDA, because the 18s and the 16s are currently top of their conferences. Yep. And if you're not heading down to Portland on Saturday, or if you're heading down late on Saturday night, definitely get a chance to get up to SFU, because it's another Cascadian derby. The residency are playing the Timbers. One o'clock kickoff for the, the 18s there. But that's it for this episode of the podcast. So, Steve, just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. So check my stuff out on there as well. So until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And more the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.